This is The Pick, and we like to party. We are your hosts, John Otney. Carla Westman. Sean Lemmy, and I like to party. <laughs> I like to party, too. We all like to party. Uh, this is The Movie Podcast, where every week we pick a movie, we talk about it at the end of the episode, someone else picks another movie, low concept, high fun, it's all about the rules, you guys. This week we're watching the immortal classic Hot Rod, available on Netflix. Uh, excited to talk about that, and I will go into why I picked Hot Rod, because it doesn't seem to be any reason to pick Hot Rod. Um, but first, we got our little picks. This is the part of the podcast where we recommend other stuff that we're, we're watching or reading or checking out that you can check out, too. I'm, yeah. I'm going to go with uh, Solar Opposites, the new Justin Rowland comedy sci-fi animated show on Hulu. I just finished that show. It's great. Uh, it's a lot like Rick and Morty. A lot like Rick and Morty. But more violent, if you can believe it. More swearing and more of a family show. Family as in it's about a family, not as in it's for a family. Because it's a little explicit. But really in- enjoying it. Or enjoyed it. Hope to see more. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I- I'm not just going to go into all my favorite bits. So, uh, yeah, just go check it out. Yeah. Though I will say, there's a great C plot. <laughs> In the show, that is very compelling. That is reason enough to check out the show. I don't want to spoil that too much. What is the A plot? It's about the, the well. I'd say like every episode has an A and a B plot, as in like the two adult aliens are usually the A plot, and then the two children aliens are like the B plot, like their hijinks, and then the C plot is this other thing. Though the show does have an overarching mission, like their planet um, is blown up, the aliens, and they come to Earth. And they come with this little pupa creature, uh, and eventually, someday, they don't know when, the pupa is supposed to, like, take over the planet. It's supposed to, like, evolve. Mm, so it's sort of like uh, Man of Steel. Uh, I don't remember. Remind me how that's like Man of Steel. <laughs> uh, the, the Kryptonians in that, led by General Zod, are going to terraform the planet so that they can, you know, kill all the humans, but they can live on it. Mm, okay, yeah. So it's like Man of Steel. If you like Man of Steel, if you like Rick and Morty, check out Solar Opposites. All right. Uh, so my pick has to do with the fact that I finally watched Titanic like a week ago. I somehow had made it this far into my life without seeing one of the biggest movies ever. Uh, but I'm not going to recommend Titanic, though I did like it uh, overall. I'm going to recommend another movie about the Titanic that I watched because I guess we were just in a Titanic mood over here. Uh, it is A Night to Remember, the 1958 British film about that fateful night that the Titanic went down. It actually had like some of the like crew on board. Uh, the Titanic was like actually involved with the production of the movie. People often say that it's a more accurate depiction of uh, of what went down on the RMS Titanic. And, um, I don't know. 
there's definitely a lot of similarities between A Night to Remember and James Cameron's Titanic. Like, there's a lot of the key players are, are still there in both versions, but I guess A Night to Remember is more interested in kind of just putting you there on the ship uh, and, like, giving you that the, the sort of surreal experience of being with all these people that are these rich, aristocratic uh people going on this journey and then there's also the the poor people and the deck below and then there's i don't know just just these nice interesting touches that the movie kind of dwells on like there's these there's this crew of like four rich guys that are just like sitting around playing poker the entire time that the ship is slowly going down and people are like going crazy and they're just like huh it's it's fine nothing's nothing's wrong with this and i don't know that kind of mindset kind of reminded me of how a lot of people are reacting to coronavirus where chaos could be ensuing around you but it's like if it doesn't really affect you in an immediate way it's easy to just be like "Eh, it's it's fine who cares (laughs) we're rich it doesn't matter I probably should have just waited and watched this for Criterion Month since it was like one of the very first Criterion titles, but oh well. I'm sure there are plenty of other British movies I can watch. I was hoping you were going to recommend Titanic 2. Ooh. By the Asylum. Yeah, I'm sure it's great. It's got Bruce Davidson. It sure does. Yeah. Hear about this, guys. A cruiser liner sets sail on the 100th anniversary of the Titanic's doomed maiden voyage when a tsunami hurls an iceberg into the ship's path. The crew and passengers struggle to avoid suffering the same fate as their predecessors. Tsunami and iceberg? Nice. Ooh, reviews aren't too good. Was this like the anniversary of Titanic? When this like, movie came movie out or, or when the movie set? either i'm just trying to understand why colin be watching so much titanic oh why colin's watching it i don't know colin why are you, you really want to know uh my girlfriend was going deep on some titanic like she's just doing a deep dive on reading about the titanic <laughs> because I, her and her James cameron yeah because <laughs> her and her high school friends did this thing where they all gave powerpoint presentations to each other on <laughs> subjects that they were an expert on and she has like a mild fascination with the titanic uh she likes the movie fine but uh, i think she's more interested in the event itself you can watch on youtube a um someone made a real-time sinking of the titanic video you can watch see how fast it goes down and what happens when yeah i mean it seemed to take about two hours which of course was enough to save some people but not not that many it seems like most of the men died because it was all women and children first um my little pick this week is mac gruber which was based on a sketch from saturday night live uh there just seemed like there are a lot of reasons to watch mcgruber this week it just turned 10 years old it's directed by Jorma Tacconi, who is... Uh, is it Tacconi or, or is it Tacone? I don't know. Uh, who is uh, one of the other Lonely Island guys. He's he's in Hot Rod that we, we watched, um, but he, he didn't direct it. That was the other one. 
whose name is Akiva Schaefer. Akiva Schaefer. But they both directed Pop Star. Um, and yeah, it's uh, it's it's a little more up my alley than Hot Rod is because it's parodying um, '80s action movies heavily, and it doesn't it doesn't try to recreate like the MacGruber sketch, which I appreciated because um, that that really wouldn't have worked. It's a lot <laughs> it's a lot of fun actually. It, it it walks a very bizarre line where they make they make MacGruber like really incompetent and narcissistic but also he keeps like getting the job done. It's weird. Ryan Philippe's in it. He's terrible. I don't know why they he was invited into this movie because uh, it's not like he's a sweet action star. But he's um, so funny. <laughs> Powers Booth is great. I um I had a, just a wonderful time watching this very silly movie. I'm very R rated compared to the uh, the very PG thirteen Hot Rod. Mm-hmm. Um. And uh, and it's on Stars right now. So if you are also feeling that burn for McGruber, and you have access to Stars, <laughs> you can watch it for free. I wanted so bad for this to be the next pick. Mm-hmm. But not all dreams can come true. That's the power of the pick. Sometimes it hurts real bad. So we're talking about Hot Rod. So why, Hot why, Rod. why did I pick Hot Rod? Uh, why did you pick Hot so Rod? So there's this uh, Instagram page that I follow that I really like called Readful Things, which is a reference to Stephen King's book Needful Things, which is someone who makes a... Uh, these retro 80s style action figures of cult movies. And I figure mm-hmm. any movie that this person makes um, into an action figure, like there's got to be something inherently like interesting or fun about it if they're going to make it into an action figure. And they usually do horror stuff. So I've been going down this list of all these movies that they've been making into action figures. And then I noticed one day they had a Hot Rod one. It's like, I should really get around to Hot Rod because, I mean, when that came out, didn't seem like anybody cared. It got bad reviews. I don't imagine it did very well at the box office. But then it's one of those films years and years later that I feel like people will talk about like, oh, that was a classic. But I was never sure if I could trust that opinion because there's other movies like Super Troopers, which I haven't seen, so I don't really know. But like, I'm like, eh, it just seems like bro comedy. Like, I don't know if I'd like that. And, you know, Hot Rod and MacGruber also occupy that space. Um but I decided to roll the dice on it anyways, and I guess we'll get into how that, um, how I feel about it, how we all feel about that. Um, but my first question for you guys. So this is the, the Lonely Island, their first real movie, I guess. You know, the comedy troupe that started on SNL. What was your guys' opinion or perception of the Lonely Island back in those old SNL digital short days. Did you guys like them? Like, how'd you feel about them? I think I liked them at first. Like, I remember we were way into Lazy Sunday. Oh, yeah. And I remember we were also kind of into a more obscure one uh, that I thought of watching this movie, Young Chuck Norris. Uh, but I don't remember. I, at some point, I just lost interest. It, it might have been the... I'm on a boat song. That's the great divider, I I think. I'm on a boat. Yeah, I just wasn't into it for whatever reason. I think I thought Dick in a Box was fine. 
but yeah, I think I kind of tuned out. <laughs> maybe maybe I just wasn't watching SNL much during that period either, so it just kind of, I don't know, wasn't a big part of my life. I mean, yeah, that's that's what it was for me, is I felt like around that time, even though most of the, the cast of SNL from that era has gone on to be beloved comedy actors, I just had this perception, it's like, oh, it's terrible now, all the good people are gone, it's just, oh, everyone's just trying so hard, but it's just not working, SNL's terrible. <laughs> that's just how it always feels, though. <laughs> I think everybody has their own, like, certain point where SNL stopped being good for them. You know, you come back to it sometimes because it's like it's it's always been a flawed show, and it it always has its moments as well. So, but a lot of people saw the digital shorts as something that kind of revitalized SNL in this period, where you know the the live show thing was getting a little stale. It's still stale. It's been stale for so long. And suddenly they had these sketches, you know, perfect for YouTube, perfect to be uh, shared online. And yeah, I really liked uh, The Lonely Island at first, and then once, you know, I'm on a boat and Dick in a Box and Jack Sparrow became their most popular content, I really disliked them. And I think the reason was, is I was like, oh, this feels like the literally the first idea they came up with. This feels so one note. Sometimes I think in, in comedy, particularly sketch comedy, the laziest thing you can do is, I don't know, let's just do a rap about something. That's funny, right? White people doing raps? haha. But looking back, you know, they had to do those every week. So yeah, some of them are going to be bad. And it's just funny that I guess one of the ones that I would consider bad is one of their most popular. Because there were like some good ones mixed in, you know, even at the time of I'm on a boat. Um so I think, looking back, I can be a little less harsh on them because of the fact that, yeah, they're pumping the shit out every week. <laughs> That's hard to do. There's going to be some stinkers in there. Uh, I guess Laser Cats was a SNL digital short. Those, those I, and I love Laser Cats. Yeah. I like the ones where they had like guest directors, like James Cameron would do <laughs> one, and it's just a bunch of references to his movies. Like I remember Sigourney Weaver shows up. And they're like, Ripley! And she goes, believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> and there's one with Steven Spielberg as the guest director. And like, they'd always be there, too, like it, talking to Lauren Michaels at the beginning of the sketch. Like, I really have a great idea for Laser Cats. How come Laser Cats isn't a movie? <laughs> I think they've missed the window, but that one actually yeah. would have made a lot more sense than, like, MacGruber. I don't know. Why was MacGruber made? I... <laughs> Was it those Pepsi commercials at the Super Bowl with with MacGyver? I don't know, and we'll never know because it's not going to be an episode. So do a book report. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So yeah, then at some point, you know, two thousand six, seven ish, the Lonely Island become attached to Hot Rod, uh, uh, which is interesting because it's not a script that they originally wrote. So this is a script by Pam Brady. And she was a writer on South Park, which is weird to think about because what do the other writers on South Park do? Doesn't Trey <laughs> Parker write like every episode by himself in like six days? Uh, so I don't know. But well, and there's also like how much SNL South Park cross pollination is there? Because I know um, some of those guys are writing for both, right? 
I guess. I don't know. What's the situation? What's going on with South Park? I don't know. Though I will point out that Pam Brady... Do you guys remember that episode with the uh, the woodshop teacher, Mr. Adler, who's like, don't screw around? Do you remember that character? Just no. Sounds vaguely familiar. <laughs> yes, I remember. Well, he was this guy who had like a dead wife, and he kept having these flashbacks, and they were live-action flashbacks of his dead <laughs> wife. Yes, I do remember that. That was Pam Brady playing that part, That's which is pretty <laughs> funny. So She wasn't just a writer, but she also acted on the show uh though i see that she also is the um uh, is a credited writer on um team america and south park the movie and you look at the writing of those two movies and they're both just trey parker matt stone pam brady no one else so she, i guess she's she probably had a pretty big part um uh, in south park bigger than i think i see that she also co-wrote hamlet 2 which is a movie we saw mm. and that everyone has forgotten Oh my god, I just remembered it existed. It all came rushing kind back. Of a, kind of a funny movie, kind of interesting. Steve Coogan. Holy shit. <laughs> I, to- I, oh my god, I totally blacked out on Talk about movie. a, yeah, like a movie that just doesn't seem to exist anymore. It's Hamlet. I lit, I, I, I've been watching the Trip movies, and I totally, like, <laughs> even seeing Steve Coogan that much, I totally forgot about this. Yeah. So uh, check check out Hamlet too, so you can see that it exists. Holy shit! Glad to give you that little flashback. I'm, they're making such a big deal about Elizabeth's shoe. That was like when Elizabeth's shoe came back for a little bit. Remember? Oh my god! I don't remember, Sean. I don't remember any of this. <laughs> she was in Piranha 3D after this. Oh, okay. That I remember. I mean, that's an unforgettable <laughs> cinematic experience. But yeah, Hamlet, Hamlet 2, co-written by Pam Good Brady. God. I'm going to watch Hamlet 2 again. <laughs> and she also co-created uh, Lady Dynamite, that Maria Bamford show that was on Netflix. Ah. Liked. Uh, so this script was originally written for another uh, comedy star. Can you guys guess who that was? I mean, I've, I've, I already know. So, Sean? <sighs> I, I, don't, I don't need to guess. A young comedy star. I didn't say young. Michael- I just said a comedy star. Oh. <laughs> I was going to guess Michael Sarah, but now I don't think so. Um. Just who do you think would be in this kind of movie? <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. Well, it doesn't seem like a Vince Vaughn. Uh, it doesn't seem like an Owen Wilson. Will Ferrell made a bunch of sports Yeah, it's comedies. Will Ferrell. This is Vince Ferrell. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think... I need that version of this movie. I mean, between movie, yeah, between Blades of Glory and Semi Pro and Talladega Nights, we got that movie right. Just aggregate them. Also, also Step Brothers, where yeah. you have like a, a man child just living at home. Because that's one weird thing about this movie is you're never really sure. Are these supposed to be teens? Are these actually just like people in their thirties, like or uh, late twenties, like? Because everyone acts like a kid, like so many of the characters, but they're adults. And I feel like with Will Ferrell, that would just be too much to have him like want to fight his stepdad. <laughs> it sounds funny, but I don't know. It, it, it kind of just sounds like Step Brothers again, but I guess this would have been before yeah. Step Brothers. Um, so I'm glad, I'm glad we got now. this Andy Samberg version. And uh, to tailor it more to their stylings, the Lonely Island actually did an uncredited full rewrite on the script to kind of fit um, 
more of their sensibilities and I guess to make it fit more of what Andy Samberg is like as a performer. Um, he's a great deal younger than Will Ferrell, so that's, that's definitely part of it. Um, so yeah, I didn't really write down a plot synopsis, but it's a fairly simple movie. I basically just wrote down a bunch of jokes. Uh, this movie introduces our hero right off the bat, Hot Rod Kimball, played by Andy Samberg, and he's a wannabe stuntman because his father, at least he believes his father, was a great stuntman. And uh, he has like a crappy little, its I guess it's like a moped, it's not even like a motorcycle, that he uses to go off uh, jumps. The movie opens with a jump um, where he's going over a ramp. Is he going over just like a car? Or what's he going over? A bus? I don't know, something. I think it's a bus. Yeah. Um, and right off the bat, we can see that he's not very good at this because he just totally bails and pukes. <laughs> he like flies off, hits something, pukes. That's this kind of movie. And it's a gnarly crash. Yeah, I, I'd love to talk about the stunts in this movie. Because this movie, despite being about a, a, a guy who cannot complete a stunt to save his life, it has some incredible stunt work. Like, bodies are getting flung everywhere in this movie. And I'm loving it. And then I, I, I feel like that, that opening uh, bit is done so well that I'm like, oh, I'm going to have a good time. And then I know I'm going to have a good time once the opening credits start. Because it's... Rod just riding around town, and nothing he's doing on his moped is particularly impressive. It's like little bunny hops, and just crappy little moves. He goes up to some teens and, and tells them that he's going to be doing a pool jump, and then even like as he's telling them about that, and as he's riding away, he almost just bails, just riding normally on his little bike. So yeah, he like tries to do like a donut, and it's just, yeah, it's really slow and pathetic. And he's also got um, his loser friends, and we got Bill Hader and Danny McBride. I don't know that there's much differentiating those two characters <laughs> in my mind. They're pretty much the same to me. I guess Danny McBride, just by nature of being Danny McBride, a little more edgy or vulgar, you know, just more rough around the edges because that's the kind of guy he is. He likes to blow shit up also. Yeah, like, uh, the first thing we see him do is he's like, well, hello, gentlemen, I found some fireworks in the bathroom. Would you like to blow this shit up? I feel like he's also an explosive expert in Tropic Thunder as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, Just yeah. a Danny McBride type. The kind of guy that you, you know, you can imagine likes to get his hands dirty. Yeah. Because he builds, does he build the ramps? Is that his... Or is that what Bill Hader does? That's what Bill Hader does. Oh, uh, Daniel Bryan is the mechanic. And then there's also Jorma Tacone, or however you say his name, of uh, the Lonely Island as uh, Rod's stepbrother. And I guess he's kind of like his manager, and he's a big wussy. So at least he feels different from the other guys. Uh, but I love seeing these guys, even if we didn't need all, all of them in there. Uh, I like Bill Hader's weird hair. Which I guess wasn't a wig; it was hair extensions that he kept in for a whole summer while working on this movie, and then just kept them in. Uh, so I appreciate that. Uh, so we meet his buddies, and then we get to see a little bit of his uh, his home life, and uh, we find out that his dad, who was his hero, is dead. Now he lives with his mom and his stepdad, played by Ian McShane, former boxer, real tough guy. And we see him go up to his room, uh, Rod, 
and put on a fake mustache and some like armor and he's got to get ready to fight his dad his stepdad because he's he, that's the only way that his stepdad will see him as a man if he can beat him in a fight and, and gain his respect yep. uh so they have like a pretty big like intense violent fight in the basement uh and this is pretty interesting this definitely feels like oh yeah i could definitely imagine this in the will ferrell version too even though <laughs> it would have been weird like just weird he's gotta fight his stepdad like and that at, later on becomes like the reason he wants to i mean i'll get into it yeah i'll just get into it in a little bit um i guess i'll finish introducing some of the characters there's also isla fisher who is his neighbor and i get it i guess she's his neighbor but yeah like is she it, this is the weird thing these people feel like they don't feel like adults. They feel way too immature. <laughs> what does she do? Does like she own that house? She doesn't seem that smart like the rest of them. She's just a girl. Don't they even say that she's like from like back from college or something at one point? Oh, maybe. I don't know. And she also has um, a boyfriend who lives in the city. I like how they just <laughs> call it that in the city. But they do specify it's Washington State, don't they? Oh, they That's do. That's cool. I don't remember that. I feel like there are signs that say Washington State on it. Oh, interesting. Well, they did fil- uh, film this in Vancouver, BC, which is often a stand-in for Washington. So that yeah. would make sense. It, it has the kind of correct geography for the most part, the trees and everything. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm just going through the bits. After he gets... Uh, I'm not sure if when this uh, took place, but after he got super pissed at his dad... He went off into the woods to do a sweet Footloose dance. It's like note for note, <laughs> the dance from Footloose. He calls it his quiet place. The punch dance. Yeah, a lot of jump, jump through the woods, punching, kicking, uh, which leads to a great bit where he falls down a hill. And this lasts 47 seconds. It feels like an eternity. These shots of him just being like launched off the hill forever, like infinitely. I'm really enjoying this stunt, guys. This is great. The, yeah, the, for me, this was like the first big laugh. Like I was like, okay, this is gonna be a good movie. It was him first of all doing that dance? There's something really funny about him, like <laughs> blowing smoke because he's like smoking a cigarette and drinking beer at the same time, and he's like, you know, it's like Kramer. He's like trying to do it at the same time, and it just comes off as gross and, and goofy. And he's doing like pummel horse. There's like a pummel horse in the woods for him to dance on. <laughs> and, and and then yeah, he, uh, like you said, he, he tumbles and he's falling down this hill forever. Um, and you talked about like how the stunts in this movie are, are actually pretty good. It's like yeah, man, some 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 dudes had to really throw <laughs> themselves down a hill like a lot, uh, like many times. They, yeah, they're going so fast. It must have hurt so bad. I should have read more about the, the stunt work on this movie. I'd love to read about that if there's any information on that. Also, I did read, though, that Andy Samberg did all of the stunts that they would let him do. <laughs> like, uh, a little bit after this, he does his uh, his big pool jump uh, where he's going to go over a pool, one ramp to another ramp, and he mm-hmm. just goes over the ramp, goes kind of upside down, just lands in the water. Andy Samberg got to do that stunt. Nice. So that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, he's, he's big loser. I also want to mention that weird character that shows up here and there, Richardson. He's that guy who just wants to dance all the time. Yeah. 
That's kind of a funny thing to include. Who is that guy? I don't know. I don't know who that guy. Let me look it up. You don't know? Uh, his name is Chester Tam. He doesn't have a Wikipedia. He doesn't even have Wikipedia. Who is that guy? He's just dancing, man. This is a quirky movie. It's got kind of a... I saw a lot of people online say that they thought it had kind of a Napoleon Dynamite energy. But a lot of people are mixed on if that's a good or a bad thing. I feel like Napoleon Dynamite gets such a bad rap these days. I like it, right? That's still like an okay movie, right? No idea. No idea? I mean, in my memory, it's good. I feel like we all enjoyed it a lot when it came out. That, that was a big movie for us. <laughs> and really, like, everyone at our high school, it seemed like. Like, there was that one guy we went to high school with, David Vickland, who just, like, became Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> like, he just talked like that all the time. And that was just his thing. Yeah, huge movie at Lake Washington High School. <laughs> In 2003 or whatever. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of got a little bit of a Napoleon Dynamite vibe, a little little bit of Will Ferrell, maybe a little bit of Adam Sandler, Wayne's World. I mean, it definitely felt like a SNL star vehicle to me. Uh, but in a good way, mostly. It just, it just felt a little familiar for that time, I suppose. Brought me back. <laughs> the 2000s comedy era yeah i mean going all the way back to john's thing about why weren't we more excited about the lonely island there was this or maybe it was just me but the sense that um andy sandberg was just like coasting off of the 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 wakes that uh, that other snl stars had left like that He's doing this movie, which is a Will Ferrell vehicle originally, and then he does like "That's My Boy," where he's like, oh, "Get it? I'm like the new Adam Sandler." Um, and and I don't know why I would give into that perception instead of like, "Oh, he is doing these digital shorts that are hilarious," and we get obsessed with <laughs> like uh, "Dear Dear Sister" was like nobody would shut up about it for like a month. <laughs> and I do feel like Andy Samberg hasn't quite had the kind of career that say a will ferrell or mike myers has had just because his movies have not like i don't feel like any of them have done well at the box office even when he tried to get in on that adam sandler magic that's my boy was like the biggest flop of adam sandler's career but you know these movies are pretty funny like i love pop star that's, I think, one of the funniest movies of the 2010s. And hopefully the Bash Brothers is a indicator of him finding a new way to find success. Now that comedy movies don't make money. Yeah, maybe he'll just do streaming stuff. I mean, I guess he's also been a TV star for a long time also with Brooklyn Nine-Nine. da 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 But yeah, it's a shame. Uh, did not get more recognition for Hot Rod. It's got some great jokes. I got two back-to-back Danny McBride jokes I want to talk about, you guys. <laughs> okay. uh, there's one scene, this is so small, but I love it, where Andy Samberg enters the scene and his buddies are hanging out, and Danny McBride is just high-fiving Jorma Tacone and Bill Hader back and forth, like high-fiving one at a time. And he's going, yes, 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 yes. And then he just finishes, he goes, yeah, that's how it's done. <laughs> And it's like, what were they doing? What game is this? These guys 
how old are these guys? It's just crazy. I love that. And then uh, I had to write down this whole spiel that really reminded me of Colin. I feel like, Colin, you would have really liked this line where, uh, yeah, this is, I'm just going to read it. This is just the Danny McBride line. I'm kind of grumpy today, dude. I didn't get a lot of sleep last night. I was having those dreams again. You know, how it's just me in a castle and I got to fight like a thousand wizards and the only way to beat them is to punch them as hard as I can in their faces. Then when I'm done, all the little wizard wives came out and wanted me to have sex with them, which is kind of weird. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> you didn't even I, I feel like to... both of those scenes feel probably improvised. Or to imagine anyone writing those. <laughs> but they're they're good. You didn't even get to the, the Day Nick Bride scene that made me laugh the hardest, which is when Rod uh crashes into the uh the trailer. Oh yeah, I had that a little later. Oh, it's a little later. There's so many well, great lines in that sequence. We can talk about it right now, where they're where um, Rod is training and crashes into an RV while going downhill, kind of uh, skeleton style. On, was he like on a skateboard or something? Something with wheels. Yeah. Uh, and this pissed off guy's like, "Hey, you crashed my RV!" And Dave Wright just goes right into beating the shit out of him <laughs> and saying stuff like, "You've unleashed the demon." Yeah, he says, "I go to church every goddamn Sunday, and you're gonna bring the demons out of me." He takes his hat. He's like, this is my hat now. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's not how you expect the scene to go, which I love. I love that. I love it when there's good <laughs> expectations like that. Very funny. Uh, and right before that is something that stood out to me, um, which is Rod saying his safe word is whiskey. Yes, yes. Because... That's also a Family Guy gag, isn't it? It is absolutely. I, I I looked that up to see um, you know who did it first. What's the timeline of all of this? And uh, Family Guy did technically do it first, but I think it was in the same year. So it seems likely that this was in the Hot Rod script, and that episode had not aired even when they were shooting this movie. So it's just a really weird coincidence that this uh, this joke about um, pronouncing a, a W is like what you know whiskey and what's the what's the family guy joke cool whip yeah cool whip weird coincidence yeah it, you would think somebody ripped somebody off but uh no i don't think so it's just that funny that you know <laughs> multiple people had to touch yeah, it yeah two thousand years of english language evolving led to that inevitable conclusion this that moment. two separate parties came to uh, so this movie does uh, eventually have a plot. So Rod finds out his stepdad is dying and needs a new kidney, and they'll need to raise uh, fifty thousand dollars. And um, Rod doesn't really like care about his stepdad. He more of wants to uh, get his stepdad the surgery, get him the new kidney, uh, so that he can get back to being healthy, and that he can fight him and beat him, so that he can finally be recognized as a man. That's the plot to this movie, which is bizarre. <laughs> And to do that, yeah, it's just like so low stakes. <laughs> it's well, like he, he he does. It's like he's doing all this for a guy that he hates. It's just like, what's the point of making this a movie? Who cares? It's just fun and silly. Yeah. So, hopefully, you guys can help me clarify a little bit of. Uh, how his like money raising plan works because he 
so he's going to raise money by doing like um like parties and appearances and that's to raise money to put on an event where he's going to jump buses and then also that's going to be a fundraiser is that how it worked yeah he wanted to raise five thousand dollars to pay for that event which then he was hoping to raise the fifty thousand dollars he needed for the heart transplant which I guess people are going to kind of call in or something is how it was going to work during this event where he's going to jump all these buses. Yeah, I don't know if they ever came up with how that was going to work, but fortunately, Chris Parnell shows up. I, I'm looking forward to talking about that. Chris Parnell from Goosebumps, too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say he's, he's now in the running <laughs> for actors to make three appearances on the pick. Somebody's going to do it. Hasn't happened yet. Hasn't happened yet, to my knowledge. So, looking forward to that. Uh, so, yeah, Rod has to go through training. He does that downhill uh, RV crash thing we talk about. Uh, there's a part where he holds his breath in the pool. Um, and he's going to, like, ring a little bell. But he tries to pull the string for the bell, and it breaks off. So, he's just, like, drowning, basically, in the, uh, in the pool. It's also around this time that we meet... Uh, Isla Fisher's jerk boyfriend, who's Will Arnett, playing a very Will Arnett-like character. Big shot asshole. Yeah. Something he's good at. Um, it's, like, as far as these characters being younger than their actors, Will Arnett is the hardest one to believe. Yeah. Like, if he's, if he's supposed to be, like, 20 or something. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> it's just it's, it doesn't man. make any sense. Yeah. Also, fun fact, apparently Will Arnett was really, really sick when they made this movie. Like, had, like, the flu really bad, like, stomach flu and was constantly vomiting. So every scene, he just had to fight to keep it together before, like, going to go throw up right after they do the scene. (laughs) So what a trooper. Gotta love that guy. Uh, And he goes on a double date, um, him and uh, Isla Fisher, and then um, Andy Samberg um, asks out, a girl at like the burger stand but then she doesn't show and this is a fun little bit where they're at the restaurant and i love this line where he's talking to isla fisher oh i guess i didn't uh, mention that she joins his team too as uh i guess she's like more of like a she's like spiritual guidance to him on the team <laughs> i'm not really sure what else she adds to it she's just i guess she's just a little smarter a little more grounded than the other guys so she's got a good head on her shoulders uh, it is amazing that a woman wrote this movie. <laughs> it is, right? It's very it's just all just dudes, and the one woman character is not even a character. Yeah. Wow. Well, maybe since she wrote it for Will Ferrell, she like, I know what kind of movie this needs to be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, Rod is telling um, Isla Fisher's character... I didn't. I don't remember any of the other characters' names, but Rod. So that's why I keep calling everyone else by their actor name. Uh, Rod tells her about his dad, and he has this great line where he says, "Have I ever shown you a picture of my dead dad? You gotta see it. He's super dead." <laughs> and it's like a picture that he's he's always looking at with his dad next to Evil Knievel, and uh, uh, Will Arnett is off doing his own thing. He keeps hanging out talking about his buddy Sullivan who he mentions later in the film too he's always joking around with his buddy Sullivan I don't know why I like that they had to give this rando a name uh, so yeah that's a fun little scene 
So then we get some of the, the fundraising scenes. We get um, him performing at a birthday party where he's just like on fire. <laughs> I don't even remember if they show how it happens. He's just running around on fire. I don't know why people even hire him, too, because no one seems to... Everyone's like, ugh. Like, he doesn't seem to have a very good reputation. I don't understand why people would feel the need to hire him in the first place. Like, there's one part... I'm not sure what the event is. He's on, like, some wooden tower. It almost looks like a treehouse or something. And they just... All they do is they just blow it up. And, and everyone's like, oh, yeah, yeah. And then one guy's just like, you suck! It's like, why are people paying for this? Why do they want this? Uh, but it's it's fun. It's just an excuse for lots of physical comedy. Lots of amazing stunts. Yeah, yeah. It's. It, I mean, if you think about the logic of this... It, It'll break your brain. I mean, where are they getting the explosives? There's a scene where uh, they lower a, like they hit him with a washing machine suspended by a crane. It's like, how did they rent a crane? Where'd they get a spare washing machine? You just you can't afford to think about these things. Yeah, I appreciate in a movie too. We'll like take a break to just to go do something silly. Like, there's a scene too where they're passing out flyers for the event they're raising money for and. Richardson is helping them, but he just keeps throwing his flyers and just dancing all around town. He just does this stupid dance everywhere. It's all stupid. Who is this guy? So, Richardson, who are you? That's funny. Yeah, how come it, this really seems like someone's like, oh, it's that guy who went on to be in all this stuff, but it's not. It's just some guy who had this moment of glory in Hot Rod <laughs> as supporting supporting character. Another He's in yeah. Pop Star oh. as DJ. Nice. <laughs> hey, there's no small roles. Okay, later on, there's also uh, an event they put on to raise, uh, or they're selling tickets and they're raising more money, where they're going to screen a, a cool stuntman video that um, of Rod doing all the stunts that uh, his stepbrother mm-hmm. made. But, of yeah. course, the video is just him bailing over and over again, embarrassing himself. I I don't think Rod successfully lands ever in the entire movie, right? (laughs) That's why it's so funny that he he feels like he needs to do this, because you've never done it right once. Like, what is keeping you... I guess the thing that keeps him going is knowing, like, oh, this is what my dad did. I'm making him proud, and this this makes me a man, even if I don't don't, uh, accomplish it most of the time or, or do it correctly. But it's funny that he's so surprised that the video is just him, like, beefing it over and over again. Because, like, yeah, don't you remember you've never completed a stunt successfully? <laughs> Why would it be anything but you crashing into stuff? Um, or, or maybe he's just surprised that so many people are laughing oh, at Oh, like, I don't think it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and this, of course, makes Rod so mad that he goes up to the projector room, takes the projector and hurls it out a window, and it crushes a car. And uh, there's consequences. They lose all of the money they've raised at this point to pay for the damages of that car. And if simply the projector, yeah. And if that wasn't uh, enough disillusionment, it's at this point that Rod's mom, who's Sissy Spacek, by the way, doesn't doesn't do anything in this movie. She has one scene, and this is it, where she tells uh, Rod that his dad was not an actual stuntman. He had a tire shop. And he didn't die doing a stunt. He choked on pie. <laughs> Which is pretty funny. And so Rod gives it up. And he, he decides he just needs to act, you know, just like a regular person from now on. 
so of course the next scene is him dressed up like an adult i guess his hair done nice in a collared shirt and he's shopping but he's got a grocery cart full of nothing but alcohol so much alcohol (laughs) as if this is just what adults buy just boot hard liquor filling it to the brim and here's the part of the movie where i wasn't as invested uh, it's not like it's bad or anything but I, I feel like the movie loses a little momentum during this this period where he uh he doesn't really know what to do anymore i don't even remember how his inspiration is reignited it's bill Hader. bill Hader is tr- is tripping balls um he's got like a shard then, in his head too of something yeah, he works at a nice drink he, and there's like an accident he, he's tripping balls and he decides to go work in on on metal i don't know i don't know what he does uh but he gets this shard of metal stuck in his right above his eye it's pretty gross to look at uh and he makes and he makes rod take him to the uh to the hospital and that i think that's what encourages rod to patch up his relationship with um with jorma yeah stepbrother and then that is the the thing there is that he's uploaded the footage to the internet. Goes viral. And that's what that's yeah, he goes viral. Just like the Lonely Island, it's self referential. Yeah. And they have that, that bit that a lot of people enjoy in this movie where uh Jorma and Andy Samberg uh someone says cool beans and then they just keep saying cool beans back and forth at each other and it turns into like a weird remix song with like a beat. It's a very Tim and Eric moment. Yeah, I didn't need that. Didn't need to be there. That felt like the wrong energy. Like I was saying, that felt more like Tim and Eric. That didn't feel like... uh... Because this movie feels more like Napoleon Dynamite with kind of like an airplane vibe to me. Or or something like airplane. Something Zucker Brothers adjacent. Like basketball, (laughs) maybe. Uh, So yeah, felt a little weird, but whatever. It's I like that they're trying stuff. (laughs) Uh, So then they... I guess... Because he's popular, they get to put on this event uh, where he's going to jump over all these buses. And Chris Parnell shows up because he's uh, his radio station, his AM radio station, is going to be the official sponsor, and they're going to do the commentary. And Chris Parnell goes into this spiel about how much he hates, how much he hates FM radio, and how much he hates color TV, <laughs> to the extent where he opens up his shirt and shows that he has a tattoo where uh, Calvin from Calvin Hobbes is like pissing on both FM radio and color TV at the same time. Like he's even explaining like how it's working, how like the urine is bouncing off of here and then hitting the color TV. And then up above like him, like in a, at a high spot is the, uh, is the AM radio. <laughs> like that. Like that they have it in there. I like that this, this big final event for this very visual thing is on AM radio. <laughs> like uh, Ian McShane, and Sissy Spacek have to listen to it on the radio. Yeah, it's really funny. They have to like turn the TV off and grab the radio. You know, there's also a, there's also a scene before this I almost forgot where um, they're getting ready to put on this event and they're walking through town and there's all these people singing along to an 80s song that's playing. Mm-hmm. And then it turns into a riot for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> people are like singing like yeah we're gonna we're gonna do this we're gonna put on this great event but then suddenly like people like chucking stuff through windows and stealing shit 
and that's that's just weird. Like I love that that's in there, you know. And they're just talking about like, oh man, that started so positive. What happened? Did we start that? <laughs> Daniel probably steals a TV from it. <laughs> uh, so they, yeah, they're gonna put on this big event. Uh, Queens of Stone Age has a cameo with some weird band because I don't know why. Why not? Yeah, that's who that was. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking like they're they're showing a lot of shots of the band. Josh this is someone notable. All right, that's cool. Meanwhile, um, Isla Fisher finally discovers that um, Will Arnett is just such a jerk and that she doesn't want to be with him. They're driving around, and he hits a raccoon. And he goes, oh, man, that's hilarious. I can't wait to tell Sullivan. He's going to be so hyped. (laughs) Another another callback to Sullivan. (laughs) Love that. So, yeah, she, uh, she ditches him. I don't remember if she knew about the event or how she finds out about it. But uh, but she finds out about it and, and she shows up, moral support. Uh, and then yeah, yeah, Rod's getting ready to be do his big stunt. He uh, he thinks back to all his spirit animals. That's something that he does. It's a recurring joke in the movie where he has like uh, spirit animals that help him through stunts. Uh, like a there's like a dolphin and I can't remember all of them, but it's a funny little bit. And. Uh, He's got his mustache on. He's, he's, he's ready to go, and he does this. He does this stunt. He goes down this long ramp, and he goes up. He's up high in the air, flying all over these buses. And I really, really love the editing on this scene because everyone's just watching in amazement as he's flying. And there's a part where he like looks at his buddies and he like gives them a thumbs up. <laughs> it's, but it's close. The shot is like um, from the chest up. Um, and then we do a, a, a wide shot, and he's not even on the motorcycle. He's like six feet above the motorcycle, floating in the air, uh, which is hilarious. And he he hits the ground hard, so much that uh, he he sees a light. He uh, he hallucinates, and he ends up in some weird white void where he sees a taco fighting a grilled cheese sandwich. <laughs> Which was a joke from earlier in the movie. Yeah, he's gonna ask out Isla Fisher, and he panicked and asked her that instead. Yeah, I, I love that because you know they're, they're setting it up as oh he's gonna get to have a conversation with his father or something. And, <laughs> and instead, he's having a great time watching a taco and a grilled cheese sandwich fight it out. I like that recurring bit too of him being afraid to ask her stuff because um, there's also that joke earlier where he's like, "Oh, you look really pretty," and she goes, "What?" He was like. Oh, uh, I mean, you look shitty. <laughs> and then runs <laughs> off. So that's a funny dynamic. Uh, I also really liked her answer when he asked him, when he asked uh, Isla Fisher who would win in a fight between a, t- a taco and a grilled cheese sandwich. She says, uh, grilled cheese sandwich wins in a, in a fair fight, but street rules, a taco wins. And he goes, wow, that's a, that's a pretty racist <laughs> answer to that question. <laughs> yeah. Um. You know, and Rod, he doesn't complete the stunt, but the crowd, they're, they want him to get back on his feet. You know, that's that that's the triumphant moment. It's not so much him completing the stunt as him getting back on his feet and showing that he made it. He made it through it. Um, and, and they're doing that, and the uh, the counter is, 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 is slowly going up, and then he gets up, and everyone cheers, and they reach the $50,000 goal. People are ecstatic. People are cheering. There's a weird shot of Ebenezer Scrooge showing up in a bus, <laughs> and he says, I have cooked goose for everyone. Uh, you know, I, the Christmas carol ending in there for some reason. But yeah, that's funny. 
Yeah, I, I like his line, uh, life is pain and we have to scrape the joy out of it every chance we get. <laughs> it's, uh, the message resonates right now. Yeah. So they have enough for the, the surgery, and then six months later, uh, Ian McShane is recovered. And they, he's stronger than ever. He's stronger say. than ever. And they have a pretty elaborate fight down in the basement, and they crash through a wall, they go out into the yard. Um, eventually... Uh, Rod gets the upper hand and he's like, you know, call me a man. And he finally gets Ian McShane to say, okay, you're a man, you're a man. And it looks like they're going to have this moment, but then it looks like Rod does like that kill Bill move, uh, <laughs> you know, where he like the heart thing. I'm not really sure what that is, where he hits all these pressure they, points on oh, his chest. They set it up earlier oh, in the movie. Okay. Uh, Isla Fisher is training him uh, Tai Chi, which mm. is a nonviolent martial art. There's, there's no actual fighting in Tai Chi. Yeah. Um, but he asks her, do you have, uh, an ultimate move that can make someone shit their pants? That's and she says, I'm not, I'm not gonna lie to you. There is a move. And she does it to him and he has to pretend that he didn't shit his pants. But that's the move he does at the end. Is he, he makes him shit okay. his pants. Okay. See, I, that's much better than what I thought. Where it's like, did he just kill him? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad that it was this other thing. That makes me like it more. But yeah, he just does that and he goes, Yes! And then that's the movie. And, you know, it's pretty pretty simple. It's 88 minutes long. You know, that's that's probably why I breeze through it so quick. Um, but, yeah, I had a good time. Something I actually want to talk about is I saw on Letterboxd, we are all about a half star apart from each other yeah. in how we felt about this movie. Sean giving it four stars. I gave it three and a half. Colin, you gave it three. Mm-hmm. Colin, I'm wondering why you gave it only three. I'm, I don't know. Talking about it with you guys, it's kind of made me appreciate it more. I guess it's just so stupid. <laughs> I mean, that's what's great about it. And I, I guess my one issue is I don't know if it really brings anything that new to this genre, this like man child sports ridiculous comedy genre i guess the lonely island does have like a i don't know they have a signature style of sort of surreal comedy but i don't i don't know if it entirely feels like it's a product of their sensibilities i guess because they didn't like write it from scratch but it's pretty funny it's enjoyable it's very dumb but it like commits to its dumbness like in a way that's hard to dislike i don't know i like it okay yeah and then sean you get four stars what did you love so much about this movie uh you know anytime i watch a comedy movie where especially by myself where i'm laughing out loud multiple times i gotta i gotta you know I gotta give it four. I don't think, you know, I don't, I, I don't think a lot about star ratings. <laughs> four stars is very much a this is a good movie. I'd happily watch it again rating for me, which is, I I think where we're all at with Hot Rod, even if it's not the I same would, numerical yeah. value. <laughs> I'd watch it again. I think yeah. It's a movie I'm surprised I haven't seen on TV. It probably was on TV at some point, but I've just never watched it on TV. Yeah, it's such a it's PG thirteen. It would be so. It easy. would work pretty well on TV, so it's surprising. 
Um, and then I gave it three and a half because I really liked it. But like I said, there's some point in the kind of the second half of the second act where I was like, this is still fine, but I'm not quite loving it as much. Like at that point, I was like, this movie could probably even be like a little shorter. <laughs> but I was still, I still had a good time overall. And there's just so many jokes, so many jokes. We didn't even cover all of the jokes in this movie. So I got to give it props for that. This is just loaded with humor. They, they really nailed it. Okay, so I have a few other things to cover, too. Uh, something that I thought was funny was to promote this movie, the Lonely Island um, did these interstitials during Comedy Central movie marathons. And I'd love to find these. I wonder if they're online, because in the promos, they uh, attempted c- to convince viewers that Hot Rod was the story of a sex offender <laughs> and that he does stunts to raise money to sex offend. <laughs> That's how they kept selling the movie in every single interstitial. So that sounds interesting. I'd love to see if those are st- they're st- they're somewhere. Uh, but they didn't do a very good job of promoting it, apparently, because this movie did not do very well at the box office. Do you guys want to guess what spot it landed on in its opening weekend? Uh, six. Oh, I was going to guess six, too. <laughs> Hot Rod landed at number eight. Oof. Pretty Ugh, bad. Even worse? Ugh. <laughs> Here's, here's the movies that beat it. Um, I'll go up from eight, so I'll start with seven. Uh, no Reservations. Do you guys remember that movie with Ryan Reynolds? No. No. <laughs> it's kind of like the same plot to support the girls, but way worse about the day in the life of people working at a restaurant. But it's got some a movie good... called, like, Waiting also? That oh, I think of the wrong movie then. I don't know what the fuck this is. Okay. <laughs> Which one's is that the one with Aaron Eckhart? Yeah, it is. Right. I thought it was the the other one. It was like, uh, wow, talk about a movie that does not exist, right? If you thought it was a different movie entirely, I thought yeah. it was waiting. <laughs> no, the life of a top chef changes when she becomes the guardian of her young niece, starring Catherine Zeta-Jones and Aaron Eckhart. Yeah, that was on uh, on a train once okay. when I was coming up from Portland okay. to Seattle, and I fell asleep because it was boring. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds really boring. Uh, then number six was Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, which I assume had been out for a while. Um, Hairspray, number five. Number four, um, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. Uh, it's sad to think well, that we saw this in theaters, but we didn't go see Hot Rod. <laughs> yeah. But that's what must be why Adam's, uh, Andy Samberg's like, I gotta get on that Adam Sandler shit. Yeah. I know Prancy Chuck and Larry is a big hit, and we're a part of that. We're part of that history. Uh, this sounds like it now for a while too, because this is um, number four. I'm sure that had to have opened at number one, <laughs> probably. Number three was Underdog. What really? Wow, that must have been its opening weekend. I think Peter Dinklage is the bad guy in that one. Wow, Underdog, weird. Uh, number two, Simpsons movie, been out for a while. And number mm-hmm. one was the Bourne Ultimatum. Yeah. Isn't that the best one? Probably. I've only seen uh, the Bourne <laughs> Supremacy. As I was answering that, I realized no, you Bourne, were asking it, if it was the best Bourne movie, yeah. which I think is what you were asking, not the best yeah, of yeah. the box office of that week, of all which, which it might have been. I don't know. It's, yeah, it's, a what? it's funny now. Yeah. Now I can put it in context. We didn't see this because I was like in Japan. You guys were doing. We were all just getting excited for Shanghai or not Shanghai uh, Rush Hour Three. 
Did we see Rush Hour 3 without you, Sean? Yeah, but uh, it's... I mean, I don't know how memorable it was. I just remember um, like getting like MySpace updates from you guys about what's going on. And you kept I believe it was Facebook, because we had all just gotten Facebook. Wow. There you go. That's how long I've been on Facebook. You guys just kept telling me about Rush Hour 3, and I was like, man, I'm not going to be able to see it. I'm over here in Japan. I mean, yeah. I'm sure you had a much better time in Japan than we did watching Rush Hour 3. <laughs> Rush Hour Three, and then Superbad came out, and you guys were like, "This is actually really good." I was Superbad. I thought Superbad was earlier that summer. Yeah, that was probably a few weeks. Because I was in Hawaii and I didn't see it with you guys. I don't think that's true. Oh, it was later. I'm pretty sure it came out in August. Yeah, you're right. Okay, I got the timeline here. Um, so Rush Hour Three was a week after Hot Rod, and then Superbad was a week after Rush Hour Three. I mean, that, I think that's actually, now that we put it back in that context, I think it's pretty easy to see why this would flop if it's coming out between Chuck and Larry and the Simpsons movie and Superbad. So many other comedies, Rush Hour, uh, like, it, it kind of didn't stand a chance. Yeah. And today this would be like a Netflix original or straight to Netflix or something. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. that's what happens. Not even King of Staten Island could make it to the theaters, though that, again, that wasn't entirely its fault. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, even even pre-pandemic, comedy just doesn't get to play in theaters anymore. Not really. Do we have any Sean's goofs this week? I do have one, um, because it's it's one that bummed me out that someone took the time to write this down. <laughs> this is Rod attempts to raise $50,000 for his stepfather's heart transplant. In 2007, when the film was released, the cost of obtaining a donor heart alone would have cost around $90,000. <laughs> the total cost of the transplant, including doctor's fees, hospital costs, post-op care, etc., would be over $650,000. And it bums me out because, one, oh shit, America sucks. And also... Um, like in the movie they make jokes like oh it's that's a very convenient number like the they're very obviously uh spoofing of the idea that it would cost fifty thousand dollars the whole movie and so it's not a goof and it's not this is not listed under incorrectly considered a a goof it's just mean (laughs) but yeah america sucks man yeah more than half a million dollars for that procedure fuck that uh, yeah, that's upsetting. I was hoping it'd be something fun about you know someone falling off their bike or something. But yeah, that's interesting. Now we should have like a, a corner for just like in, interesting <laughs> but sad facts. <laughs> <laughs> you know about the harsh realities. Go. That'll be my my season three corner is depressing reality. <laughs> Sean's depressing reality. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I don't have any other additional segments to throw into this episode. Yeah, I guess the movie doesn't have a villain, does it? I mean, it could. There's plenty of stuff for uh, for Rod's stepdad to, you know, if they if they wanted to, but no, it's not on Villains Wiki. There's not going to be Villains Wiki every week. That's what makes it special. So maybe next time on the next episode of the Pick, whatever that movie may be, what's that movie going to be? Let me tell you. Um, it's a, I guess it's the season finale, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
but instead of paying tribute to that, I did want to pay tribute to um, all the people we lost in the month of May. That uh, a lot of them, not even from COVID, uh, Jerry Stiller and and Fred Willard, both uh, both passed away in the month of May, and uh, and that was sad. Uh, but uh, as a Seattle person, uh, the one that caught me off guard, the one I found most shocking was hearing that Lynn Shelton had died um, now a few weeks ago. Uh, and she is a director that I'm mostly familiar with because of her work on television. She's uh, directed for shows like The Good Place, uh, New Girl, and, and Mad Men. And, um, and really the only movie of hers I've seen is Hump Day. Um, so I wanted to find something of hers for us all to watch, and the one that has the highest score on Rotten Tomatoes and is streaming on Netflix is called Outside In. It came out in 2017, and so I'm going to make that my pick. It is set in Seattle. I'm looking forward to seeing it. it stars Edie Falco and Jay Duplass. Never heard of that movie. For some of the others, but I've never heard of that one. All right, the one. Yeah. The, my instinct was to do the uh, the uh, Sam Rockwell's the sexy lawyer dad movie, but I figured when you said like I I, I could tell right when you said that we lost, we like oh Sean's gonna pick a Lynn Shelton movie. I figured you're gonna go with the Mark Maron sword one. Oh, the sword of trust. Yeah, because it's just the most recent. Yeah, one. it's the most recent one. It's also on Netflix. I I, I just I trusted. Uh, I saw the Seattle setting, and I saw it's on Netflix. And, I mean, uh, like all of her movies are set in Washington State. I think Sort of Trust is the only one that isn't set in Washington. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen this one. I've seen a, a few of her movies. I've seen Laggies and... Uh, is that the Sam, Sam Rockwell as a sexy lawyer? Yeah, there? with Kira Knightley. Uh, your sister's sister I've been wanting to revisit. Cause I saw that one like around when it came out. Um, but yeah, sure. <laughs> it's it's very weird that this tragedy happened. We'll talk about this more in the next episode. Because I just start re- started rereading, or I guess I'd never finished it. I had the audio book of Mark Duplass's book, him and Jay Duplass's book about their career. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously mm-hmm. he we worked with Lynch Shelton quite a bit later on, so it's just it was just weird timing because I was like, oh, I should get, maybe watch some Mark Duplass stuff because I'm reading this book again. Uh, and then this happened, so yeah, very yeah. very strange. Um, so yeah, you can check that out, and you can check us out at mildlypleased.com, and you can find the pick at places you can find podcasts. We'll see you next time. Cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. For you, and in the town I live.